If you don't want to hear a Western Conference casual fans preview done by a cool guy, better turn back now. Dad's Basement, Mikey Krennic. Hope you're all having a wonderful Saturday. Hope you had a wonderful week, weekend, the whole deal, the whole nine. Uh, this is a little, little casual basketball fan's guide to the NBA Western Conference. I think I'm going to be adding an NBA podcast to the rotation here. Uh, and this is going to be the last weekend. Cool Dad's Basement is all sports. Don't worry. Cool Dad's Basement, as you know, it will return. I'll be, you know, I'll be yelling. And screaming and, and doing all kinds of fun, f- fun and funny bits. So if you miss that stuff, don't you worry. But if you like the the basketball stuff, if you like the you know the kind of casual fans guide to the NBA, that's the kind of vibe you can expect on the NBA podcast. Because I got into the the broadcasting world, oh gosh, now it's about fourteen years ago, uh, and it was right before the NBA really uh, peaked in popularity again. You know, we were told not to talk about it on our sports shows because nobody cared, but people did care. Uh, And then LeBron went to Miami, uh, Golden State happened, everything just kind of blew up, and um, it it got a lot more popular. And you see it now kind of all over the place as one of the the most, I would say, prominent sports in the the kind of talk sphere. I think a lot of there's a lot of basketball podcasts and there's a lot of people who talk about basketball. It's this it's the new media generation, finger quotes, is favorite sport in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and I think that as such, a lot of those podcasts veer very far inside. I think that people really want you to know the listener, how much they know. And I think that a lot of times listeners to basketball podcasts want to hear someone who's throwing that stuff back at them so they can be like, ah, oh, we're all on the same wavelength here. And I do feel like you, you lose a casual fan that way. I do feel like people who might want to get back into basketball but don't want to follow an 82-game season that starts in October and ends in June, it's kind of hard sometimes to, to listen to the, the minutia breakdowns about the ninth man on the, on the New Orleans Pelicans. So that's not what we're going to do here. Uh, and I'll, I'll show you how what I mean in terms of the way we do this Western Conference preview. I'm going to break down all the different teams in the Western Conference. And I'm going to just tell you the thing, one major thing you need to know about them and why I have them ranked where I have them ranked. Because I'll do them in order. Don't you worry. Uh, th- that's what you need to know going in. And then as the season goes along, you know, I'll keep you updated. You can make your own inferences get your own information but this is what you need to know walking in to the nba season uh and and what you need to know overall two major overall points to this year are number one i think there's two different seasons in basketball now and in a way that never was before there's the regular season obviously and then there's the postseason obviously but those i don't know how much teams are thinking about well I want to be the four seed. I want to be the three seed. I want to be the two seed. I think with teams getting older, 
uh, people getting smarter about medical science and knowing how to extend careers longer as treatments get better and we have a better understanding of, of how these guys should be using their bodies and not abusing their bodies. Uh, teams manage their players load. It's load management, which is a funny thing to say. They say the word load a lot and it's hard. It's hard not to, not to giggle every single time, but we're going to get through it. Uh, the, the, the load management thing has become a big thing. And I think that, when an NBA team looks at, at, at their season and says, okay, here I am. I've got these players who are a little older. I could, I could ride them all year long, get the two seed, be home in the playoffs. But, oh, look how deep the West is. Look how good the West is. You know, that, that play-in tournament, 7, 8, 9, 10. Teams that come out of that could have 48, 47, even 50 wins. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the seventh-seeded team had 50 wins. Uh, do I, is that, and now I've got my guys all out of gas. My older players haven't gotten the rest, but on the two seed, eh, cool. I could get the five seed and I could rest these guys and I could have a much different playoff outlook. I, my roster could even look different. It could, I could see now the, the, the totality of it at the key moments. As long as, you know, you're playing the guys enough to keep chemistry and keep things going. I know that it's 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 bad for paying customers. I know that people who buy a ticket to a game maybe don't want to hear. If you buy a ticket to see the Clippers, you don't want to hear that Dame Lillard and or not Dame Lillard, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George aren't playing. And it, if you buy a ticket to a Portland game, you don't want to hear that. You certainly don't want to hear Dame Lillard's not playing in Portland. They got nobody else. Uh, but it it becomes a chess game in a lot of ways with the depth of the conferences, with the parity across the league, with the age of, of some of the superstar players. It's a very, it's a very interesting sort of chemistry to have to figure out. So if you hear a team on this list, you think, wow, that team, I thought they were really good. You got them in the seventh spot, the sixth spot. A lot of that is that load management stuff. And the, the second thing you really need to know about this year is for the first time in a long time, there is a reason to tank, right? If you're really bad in the NBA, you know this. I don't need to explain it to you. There's a lottery system. Worst teams uh, get, get the highest odds to get the best player in the draft. The best player in the draft this year is a seven foot four freak of nature. His name is Victor Wembayama. Wembanyama. I forget how to pronounce it. I, it doesn't, it almost, he's just going to be Victor. He's, the, he's one name good. He's so incredibly gifted for his size he's fast he can shoot I watched uh, uh, some clips of him it really does it looks like CGI it looks like a George Lucas went watched a basketball game and was like I, I, I want to add a guy to that and he just kind of superimposed this seven foot four French boy he's a teenager he's 18 years old he's a boy uh you know superimposed this this giant French boy into the games and he just, he wreaks havoc. He he his arms are everywhere at all times. He's offensively, defensively, he knows where to be. He's he's a absolute franchise changer. He might be a league changer. He's he's that ridiculously talented if all goes well. So you're gonna see teams going into the tank and going into the tank early. There teams who have a bad roster are gonna say, you know what? Uh, I think we'll sacrifice this season 
and and try to increase our odds uh, to get the 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 physical freak of nature who might be uh, you know we might have an opportunity to add to our team i, I yeah I, I like i i'm the spurs i like having jacob Pertle playing center but i think i i you know i think i'd like that that 7 foot 4 french boy freak of nature i think i'd like him a little bit more uh so those are the two big key storylines here for the nba season and that's why we're starting with our Western Conference preview at the very bottom, right? We're going to go from the bottom to the top. So here are the two teams that you absolutely you don't need to care about. You don't need to think about them as a casual fan. You don't need to worry about what they're doing because what they're doing is losing. The Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. They are the tank commanders for the entire NBA. These are probably the two worst rosters, which is shocking to say about these two teams who it seems like you know, you go way back to the 90s with Malone and Stockton. That's the Jazz were always good then. Then they had their little run with Darren Williams. Then they had this other little run now with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Neither of those guys are there anymore. Danny Ainge is there at, at, at GM and president of basketball operations. This team is tanking. They're tanking hard. San Antonio, their legendary head coach, Greg Popovich, basically came out and said, well, we're certainly not going to be winning the title this year. These, I don't, I think that it's maybe insulting to the players to constantly hammer over the head, oh, it's a tank, they don't care. You know, that's got to suck to hear constantly if you're a player. So I think you just don't talk about these teams. You just don't think about them unless you're a fan of them. You want to, you know, pour over their stats, who's going to be the next big guy. That's fine. That's not casual fan business, though. That's not for you. Uh, and there is another team at this tanking level who might be too good to tank. Talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they're in year three of a rebuild. Since 2019, they traded Russell Westbrook, Paul George. but they're And they're not done. They're clearly not done. There's still a lot of holes on this team. Uh, and I think they're creating a few artificially. And that's not to say they're lying or be, or being purposely misleading but you got a guy here like uh shaggy gilius alexander gil i don't know i don't know why i went it back like i was going to pronounce it perfectly on the second try we i i got through it the first time confidently i should have just stuck with that uh but he's got like a mysterious mcl sprain he's their best player pretty much by far at this point and his mysterious mcl sprain there's just no timetable on his return he's playing he's not playing he'll start he He'll probably be there for the opening of the regular season. I think you're going to see a lot of this with Oklahoma and some of their their more gifted players. We already know we're not seeing uh, rookie sensation, but he's only seven foot one. Who who wants that? Give me seven four. That's what I'm after. Uh, you know, Chet Holmgren. He's not going to play this year. He's out. Uh, you've got a couple of other really interesting young players on this team, uh, like a Josh Giddy, Trey Mann. But ultimately, I think that you need to not think so much about them they're probably going to win more games than they want to and they're going to have to do a little uh injury list manipulation maybe at the end of the year because they do have some talent there they're not quite as 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 tanky we'll say that as the jazz and the spurs uh but they're they're right there and and speaking of right there is my last team in this bottom 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 tier no shot tier and that's the portland trailblazers i know that's the risk of being too loyal. You know, Portland really is a team that you look at and you say, wow, you got a 32-year-old star. Everyone else asks out. How do you, 
this guy, you keep this guy, you put nothing around this guy. He doesn't want to go anywhere, but he doesn't want to go anywhere. Dame Lillard, obviously the star of the Portland Trailblazers now going on however many years, he, over a decade, this guy does not want to leave. He's got no interest in going anywhere else. He's got no interest in, in being traded and chasing rings. And you, you almost look at the situation and say to yourself, man, I, I, wish, he, I wish he would. If you're a Portland fan, and I, I, and I, maybe I don't understand the, the, the depth of connection there because obviously a long time ago, Dame decided I'm going to be the guy who never leaves. And Portland decided we're going to be the organization that honors that. We're not, we're not, we're going to take care of this guy. We're going to extend him all the time. We're, we're going to make, he's always going to be the focal point of the offense. They've added a few interesting guys over the years, but it seems like a revolving door of, of other teams, cast offs. A guy who reminds you a little bit of, of Dame Lillard. It used to be CJ McCollum. Now it's Anthony Simons. And Nurchich, who's their, their big man who's been there forever. And every year I keep hearing, well, maybe he'll take a step this year. I, I just don't, I don't think this team's any good. And I feel badly saying this because I know how it, unique it is and, and interesting and cool and, and probably really nice for the fans of Portland. But I don't, you're going to lose however many games you get rid of, of Dame Lillard. You, you send him out to LA for Russell Westbrook and those two, you know, those mythical Laker picks. And we'll get to those. Everybody is probably in a better situation, but it, it won't happen that way. They're, they'll, they'll be more towards the middle of the pack of the back. They won't go all the way to the bottom, and I it'll just keep perpetuating itself till Dame Lillard retires, I guess. So that's your bottom tier. That's your that's the the dregs of society here. Let's jump up a tier with a uh, teams that your NBA nerd friend might correct you on, right? If you say, "Oh, then they stink," well, then you're gonna hear you're gonna get an earful from your NBA nerd fan friends about these two teams: Sacramento numero uno. That's the NBA nerd team of 2022 as of right now. People, they're all over the Kings to finally end that. They have a long playoff drought, and I think their fans would be disappointed at this point with all the hype and the roster and everything we've heard. I think their fans would be disappointed if they didn't at least make that play-in tournament. I don't see it to the extent that a lot of other people see it. Keegan Murray, their their top draft pick, he's looked great in summer league, but it seems like every time any player looks great in summer league, there's a hundred people who say, "I know you usually shouldn't care about summer league, but and I just I want to see him play games, games. You know, it's a talented team for sure, but thinking that they're going to suddenly be competitive assumes that. Keegan Murray is a instant impact player, which not really that hard to believe. He was talented in college and he looked in, in summer league. Now I know you, you know, you shouldn't take summer league seriously, but he looked good. And they've got De'Aaron Fox and DeMonte Sabonis, who are two very good players. But I feel like we know who those guys are. You know, those are their big non rookies, right? Those are their big two. These are the guys that the season kind of hinges on. This guy, Fox and Sabonis, this is Fox's sixth year. This is Sabonis's seventh. 
I we kind of know who these guys are every season, and every season we walk in saying, is this the year they're going to put it together and take the step? Now, maybe Keegan Murray is an element that will push those guys upward, but I prefer a more widely distributed upside, which is why I'm the only person, I think, in the whole wide world who would put the Kings behind the Houston Rockets. This is my absolute worst NBA opinion this year. But we are now, if you look at the the numbers here, right? Jazz 15, Spurs 14, Thunder 13, Portland 12, Sacramento 11. That means 10 in the play-in tournament. The Houston Rockets, kind of a Rockets guy. They've had the worst record in the NBA for two straight seasons, but I think they've drafted well, uh, especially this year. You know, we want to talk about Keegan Murray. They took Jabari Smith at number three overall, a guy he was a consensus number one all summer long, or excuse me, all springtime long. And then towards the end, it was Holmgren, there was Banchero, Holmgren, Banchero moved around, and they ended up with Smith at three. Uh, and then at 17, they got a guy who was has been really impressive this summer. If we're doing the summer league thing, let's do it for other guys. Uh, assistant coach John Lucas called this guy Dennis Rodman with a, with a jump shot, which if that's oof, if Dennis Rodman had a jump shot, well, I guess he would, would have scored more points. I don't know why I trailed off as if he would have cured cancer. He still would have been Dennis Rodman just with a jump shot. Uh, and so maybe he's Tari Eason from LSU. Uh, so Tari Eason was a 17th overall pick. Jabari Smith, third overall pick. These guys both kind of looked and felt NBA ready, even at the college level. So you have a pair of defensive wings like that. I don't know. That that moves them ahead to me. Those That defensive wing pairing moves them ahead of Sacramento, Portland, Thunder, and the Jazz. And on top of that, you've also got to fill it up score like Jalen Green, who's a guy who I think is definitely, he's only one year in the league. You know, look at Fox and Sabonis, six and seven. Here's Jalen Green, a guy who's, this is his second year in the league. Maybe he could take a big, a big scoring jump. Other guys like Al Sengun, Kevin Porter, Ty Ty Washington, who was a guy who, who people thought could go in this year's lottery. The Rockets got him 29th. I don't know. Call me crazy. But if, if Jabari Smith and Tari's and are as good as they can be and Jalen Green takes this step that we're assuming that guys in their sixth and seventh year are going to take, I, I think the Rockets could be a little frisky. I don't think they'll be good. I think that the, the, the divide between who gets that last spot in the Western Conference play-in tournament, if you figure seven seed, eight seed, nine seed, ten seed get in, I think the gap between 10 and 9 is going to be huge because I think there's a ton of real genuine contenders in the West, and no one I named yet has been one of them. But I think of this, this little mini grouping here of, of bad garbage teams, I personally think Houston can rise to the top of it in, in a way that I, I don't see for anybody else. So now let's go on to those real teams, the contenders, the guys you got to know. We'll start with a pair of one-name teams. These are teams that you, the casual fan, you just need to know one name. And, and you, you'll see different reasons, but you got to know a guy. Dallas, the Mavericks, are the first of the two. Uh, and that's for a very specific reason in this case where this guy is the whole team. The other one, not so much, but we'll get to that. 
Uh, Dallas stunned Phoenix in round two last year to advance to the conference finals. And they did it as they've done all things for a while now because of one man, Luka. Luka Doncic is one of the most talented and impactful players across all of basketball. I, it's probably him, Giannis, and Jokic, Embiid. Those are your top four in, in some order, though, just in terms of so much talent. But he's the only one who looks like he'd, he, you'd find him outside of a bar in Philadelphia and he'd walk up to you and go, I, have, I can have cigarette? Cigarette? I can, I can have a, a uh, can I have cigarette? Uh, that's, he's built like a guy is the best way I, to describe it. He's just, you, he looks like you'd see him at the YMCA, but then you see him start playing and, and it's just another level, this guy. He, can, he alone can make a team competitive. And he might have to this year because Dallas is second best player from last year's run, that conference final run, Jalen Brunson. He's going to be in our Eastern Conference preview. He's gone, right? You look around the rest of this roster, Christian Wood, he's talented. He's temperamental. He filled it up on some bad teams. Is he really good? What's he going to, how is he going to compliment Luka? I don't know. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., these are all names that you don't need, you, you don't need to commit to memory because they're all just kind of skilly, rangy. They do four or five things really well, but nothing great. The, it, this is the Luca show. And as far as they go, we'll be completely on Luca. But there is one guy who I, I do think that you should keep your eye on. He was a second round pick in this year's draft. I was a big fan of this year's draft. If you can't tell, uh, but he was a second round pick in this year's draft. Jaden Hardy. He's looked really good in camp. He looked good in the preseason. He actually started uh, next to next to Luca. I think in, in a couple of their preseason games, and it, it looked like a nice little fit. So if Jaden Hardy is, is sort of an out of nowhere sleeper rookie who could step in and do some stuff. And now won't you look smart when you are, NBA nerd fan says, well, Dallas is a one-man show. And then you go, well, what about Jaden Hardy? Right? You'll bowl them over. Uh, now we're going to go on to our second one-name team. And, and your basketball nerd fan is going to scoff at you if you say this is a one-name team. But unfortunately, as, as truly cool as you have to be to know how good Brandon Ingram is or how much versatility Herb Jones brings to your roster, the as cool as you need to be, we're just not going to get there. So why don't we just learn the one and only name you need to know? Zion Williamson, freak of nature. He, here, here's a guy, fast, strong, explosive. He can fly from the three-point line, it seems like. He can, he can get a rebound, go coast to coast like a water bug speed, and then fly and, and dunk with such power and violence. And he's doing all of it, and he's built like the biggest boy in class, right? He's not like Oliver Miller, kind of like, you know, oozing out of his, his uniform. He's not super tall and wide. He's, he's a big boy. He looks like the kid who the teachers said in sixth grade, well, he's just, you know, he's a big boy. They weren't saying he was fat. They weren't saying he was tall because he was neither of those things. He was merely a big boy. And Zion Williamson is perhaps the biggest boy. And when we saw him play, he was dominant, dominant. The things he was doing were incredible. And he plugs really neatly 
into a well-built roster with guys like Brandon Ingram, who's a, a great scorer, Herb Jones, who is a great wing defender. You've got guards. You've got Valanciunas, the, the center, still a big man who can put some points, put the biscuit in the basket, so to speak. Why then are the Pelicans of New Orleans in this tier down around this where we have them at the eight seed right now if all of this is the case and they're getting this guy who I'm saying is a, is, is a freak of nature? Well, it's pretty s- simple there, folks. It's injuries. See, Zion missed all of last season with a foot injury. He missed some games in college with a knee and an ankle. Then he missed some games in his rookie year with a thumb. And now he just missed his last preseason game with a, with a, with another ankle injury. I mean, this is, it's on the other side. It's not the foot that was hurt last year, which is good, but this is a guy whose body has broken down before. I think if you see how he's built, you see how he plays and you see the, like I said, the violence with which he uses his, his big boy body. You can understand why some things tear and break and fracture. They're going to go as far as he goes. They made the eight seed last year without him. And I think that they'll be in that same mix this year with him, without him, because I can't really necessarily predict that he'll be out there for 82 games. And when he's out there, he does change the the flow of the game a little bit. So you're going to have a little bit of a stop start with that. If he does get hurt, you're going to have to integrate and reintegrate. So I think they're going to end up down in the same area. But I wouldn't be shocked if Zion is healthy all year long to see them leapfrog a few teams, including the two right here, the weren't they much better tier of the contenders, right? So this is, if you figure we had our first team was those garbage, those garbage squads, right? Then we had uh, some high tier garbage. Then we went into New Orleans and Dallas. Those aren't necessarily contenders, but they're very good teams with very good players who could make a huge difference. Now we're talking about contenders. Every team that I bring up after this is to be considered a contender in the Western Conference. But there's many tiers within the tier, of course, as there always are. So we'll start with this tier of teams that were much better last year, starting with Phoenix, who looked like a mini dynasty in the making all season long. They were exceptional, exceptional in the regular season. And we started seeing the cracks, though, with those those frisky Pelicans in round one. They slammed against the wall in round two against Dallas. Luka knocked them out. It looked like Chris Paul just withered away. It looked like the, somebody saw the portrait of Dorian Gray he has in his attic. They have it, their star big man, DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams, their head coach. They haven't spoken. They didn't speak all offseason. How do you not speak? And, and it, Ayton didn't doesn't really seem like he wants to be there. It doesn't seem like they wanted to give him this massive extension they gave him. You know, they still have Devin Booker. They still have uh, Mikhail Bridges. They still have some real talent. Paul is obviously still a an exceptional player when he's right. We didn't see him looking right towards the end of the playoffs last year. He's the key. I think you need to do some serious major league load management with him this year. I, I really think you need to have him playing a very limited amount of games in the regular season. Get get into the playoffs, get where you need to get to, and and then unleash him. You the team didn't change all that much this offseason. They didn't they didn't add anybody. They lost a few guys. I think you can kind of very successfully 
play without Chris Paul, you know, focus on on Booker. Maybe, I mean, because Aiton really didn't look comfortable on the floor without Chris Paul last year. Get Aiton going in different ways. And and Paul is such a savvy veteran and such a skilled player that you can plug him in at the end of the year, kind of like Shaq did uh, towards the end with Miami. You can plug him in at the end of the year and just say, all right, now this is your whole season, is, is the last 10 games of the year and the postseason. I think you can do that with Chris Paul. And even that might be asking a lot at this point. The guy's got a lot of miles on the tires. And and it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this team deals with all of the off-court stuff going on, the turmoil. You know, Robert Sarver, their owner, terrible guy, racist, sexist, misogynist, all that, all your favorite NBA owner scorecard stuff. They're forced to, he's being forced to sell the team, uh, unofficially forced, but, you know, he's suspended, I think. I forget exactly what the exact details are, but basically, this guy Sarver's selling the team. Is that going to distract off the court? If Kevin Durant asks for a trade again out of, out of Brooklyn, is he going to want to go there? This is going to be a messy thing. But I think the thing, if you're if you want to know what the Suns are going to do this year, key in on how much is Chris Paul playing. Chris Paul is playing a lot in the regular season. That's because they think they need that to make the playoffs, and that's a real bad sign for the the continuing rising of the Suns, so to speak. Uh, then we've also gotten this tier, the number two seed last year, the Grizzlies. Now, how we move them down to six? What is going on? John Morant, the guy's a real deal. You know, he's an upper echelon, top-tier, S-tier type player. And Desmond Bain is a guy who is, is rising fast, and he is he's a hell of a sidekick. He's a great second guard to go with Morant the way the Morant plays the game, right? Uh, and I watched, I, when Desmond Bain was drafted, he came out of, oh my gosh, he came out of some SEC school, I think. I should, I should have looked this up before I started. Desmond Bain, who went to the University of, let's see how far I could stretch it out, TCU, right? He went to Texas Christian University. I watched one year. I didn't have cable, so I randomly watched a draft coverage on YouTube by some, it was like some basketball guy who had like 20 subscribers, and his co-host was losing his mind during the whole draft about, now why hasn't anyone taken Desmond Bain yet? I'm telling you, this guy's a star. And it turned out the, the guy, the co-host, also went to TCU, and he was like 19 or 20, so he like probably knew Desmond Bain. But this guy was all over it, and I remember watching it and being like, oh, this is strange. It's, this is, this is, it's sort of cute. You know, this guy's really, no, he was right. And I'm the, I'm the one who, uh, here I am, dumbass, what name am I going to be touting all throughout next year's draft? None. I don't, have, I don't have the courage of my convictions like that guy. So good for him. He was right. And this is a really good team in Memphis. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is the big man component, and I this team is designed to go with a big man component, he's hurt. And I don't know how well constructed they are to win without that. He's got foot surgery, microfracture, four to six months. They don't really know where and when he'll be back. It's definitely something to monitor, especially a big man, especially a foot. We know how that goes sometimes. They didn't get much better with him, despite the fact that I think a lot of other teams around the Western Conference might have gotten better. But without him, I definitely think they're going to fall back to the pack. That said, once he gets back and, and gets well, they're a very dangerous team. 
a very dangerous team who could who could jump another one, who could jump a ton of levels if everything goes right. Speaking of jumping levels and maybe sliding down a few, here are your three storyline teams uh, in the Western Conference. Starting with, we've got them at the five seed, the L.A. Lakers. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm an Anthony Davis guy. I believe if Anthony Davis is back, he's more important than LeBron. And he is a absolute game changer who can keep this team well above water. They, they didn't make any major offseason additions. They got a point guard, Pat Beverly, who could be a starter. But the story and the reason I have them ranked here is how they are going to get better during the season. Russell Westbrook just doesn't fit. They tried to get Russell Westbrook. It doesn't work. I personally think maybe he's a little less totally cooked than everyone else thinks. I think it's a terrible, terrible, terrible fit. And but not necessarily that's the level of player he is at this point, but it's such a bad fit that it's probably going to end a Hall of Fame career. It, you, they have to trade him. L.A. has to trade him. And the thing they've been talking about all offseason is that they can trade their 2027 and 2029 picks unprotected. Those are the, the, those are the things that you can affix to this horrific Russell Westbrook contract that's a one-year deal Anyone who trades for him is going to buy him out and wave him, and it'll be done. Those two picks are the things that teams are going to be trading for, and teams are going to be trading for them. Zach Lowe from ESPN says Indiana is waiting for the call, and they're happy to send Miles Turner and Buddy Heald to the Lakers for Westbrook and those two picks. Now, a lot of Laker fans and a lot of basketball people say, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, that's not worth the 2027 and the 2029 pick. I probably not, but let's think about the positive effect that having reliable rim protection and wing scoring would have on Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Let, let's think about if you, if you're thinking about winning a title this year, which is what I think the LA Lakers with LeBron at his age, Davis, his checkered injury history, thin roster how much time do they have you got to be thinking about winning titles because what do you, if you're thinking about the 2027 season what does it look like who's on the team you have no idea and i understand that you don't want to trade a blind asset from that time but if you get those things rim protection wing score you can win another ring with lebron and anthony davis that needs to be the focus, in my opinion. If I'm Rob Polinka, if I'm L.A., I can't be thinking about 2029. And maybe it's not Turner and Heald. Maybe you got to wait and see if, if better players develop. But that trade will happen. A trade will happen of Russell Westbrook and those two players for hopefully one, maybe two, complementary players to this LeBron-Davis duo. And I, 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 I'm higher on the Lakers than many. And a little lower on their, their buddies who I've got at the four seed here, the Clippers, than most. This is the last stand for the L.A. Clippers. Kawhi Leonard led the Raptors to NBA title glory and then orchestrated one of the most stunning free agency moves yet. He signed with the Clippers. He was contingent on them getting Paul George from Oklahoma City. That was 2019. That's a long time ago. There's been injuries, the pandemic, I get it, but it's go time. 
it's it's now or never. The complimentary players are there. The coach is there. They're a health question. And they're a load management question. How are you going to manage Kawhi's load? Do you see what I mean? Do you see what I mean? Managing, <laughs> managing the number of games that Kawhi Leonard is, is going to play is what is going to be the key to this season. How many can he play? If you think that he's healthy and, and Paul George is healthy and this roster is healthy and they're going to go 82 games, well, then, yeah, pick them to win the title, the number one seed. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to on purpose limit Leonard's uh, uh, on-court minutes during the regular season. I think they'd be happy to go to the middle of the pack type of four seed area. And, and I think that's what they should be shooting for here because then you'll have your full complement of, of talent in the playoffs until one of them gets hurt during a playoff game. But that's besides the point. It's hard to trust the medical history of the LA Clippers, but the, the talent is there. Speaking of the talent being there, our last storyline team, Golden State. Oh, those Golden State Warriors are the defending champions. They're healthier than they've been in a long, long, long time. They've got exciting, young, complimentary players like Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Moses Moody. You know, they're going to join that the Splash Bros and their big buddy Draymond. And they've got, they even added over the past couple of years some like new blood wing players, Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins, who's finally found a home. I mean, this, there's, re- there's really no reason to think anything negative about Golden State until. Draymond Green knocked the shit out of his teammate. You know, I, 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 a lot of people saw the tape. A tape escaped from the, the practice facility. It saw Draymond Green just absolutely sucker punching, just obliterating uh, Jordan Poole. Uh, it, it was obviously a bad situation. You know, nobody's really come out and said exactly what the punishment's going to be. Is there going to be a punishment? It's really for the team to get over. It's unfortunate that the video came out. I think that that macho man, this is, uh, you know, this happens in practice a lot more than you think. Colin Cowherd thing is, I think it's particularly pathetic uh, coming from, from the type of people who if someone flicked them at work, they would, they would file a complaint. But I, I don't necessarily know if we can get inside that huddle and, and, and think about how the team is reacting. This team has had Draymond for a long time. This team knows Draymond Green. Uh, I like Draymond Green a lot. I, 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 I feel like Draymond Green, I know what it feels like to be an emotional person who's also trying to show how good you are at something. And I know, especially if, if you're good at it in a way that maybe is non-traditional, it's really hard to be that emotional person who also wants to say, you know, be like, look, 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 I can do this thing. So I get that. I don't, I'm a player guy. I've always been a player guy. I think who cares about the organization? Fuck them, but don't fuck your teammates. Don't fuck your coach. Who's a guy who's always been on the player side, Steve Kerr there. It's, it's going to come down to how that team internally handles Draymond green and Jordan Poole and that confrontation and what it meant, what led up to what happens after That's not, I don't know that I'm not going to pretend like I can take a guess at that. And you, the casual NBA fan, you, you know there's a lot more stuff going on in the world that you're not going to have to form in your head 
a Draymond Green take. How does this affect the team? Who cares? We'll see. They're very good. They could be another load management team. We'll see how the Draymond Green thing works out, but it's really hard to put them anywhere but near the top. And now here is the top. Here are our top two teams in the NBA's Western Conference for the 2022-23-23 season. Uh, For you, the casual fan, our regular season Warriors, number two seed, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh Uh-oh, a little too high for the Wolves who made the big trade. This offseason, they mortgaged their future for Jazz big man Rudy Gobert. He's a weird fit. He's a bad fit. They're not going to win any playoff series with him. He's a losing player. He rubbed all of the microphones uh, after the COVID game and then actually got COVID, which was a bad look for Rudy. Uh, And all of those things, very true. You know, it is an interesting fit. They gave up too many picks. But I think that when you look at this, Wolves team, you've got Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, uh, uh, Jane, Jane McDaniels, Jordan McLaughlin. There's a lot of really just talented kind of from superstar, super, super, superstar like Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns in that area to more complimentary type of players. It's a very talented roster top to bottom. And I think that anyone who follows basketball would tell you that it's a it's at least a little bit better than any of Rudy Gobert's Utah teams that he had with Donovan Mitchell. Here's the win totals since the first time Gobert won an award, right? His third year, that was the first time Rudy Gobert was honored. He was on the all-defensive team. He might have even been on an all-NBA team this year. But this was year three was Rudy's first real super year. Here are the regular season win totals. 51, 48, 50, 44 in a short season, 52 in a short season, 49. So Rudy Gobert makes you a lot better during the regular season. Rudy Gobert is an insanely elite defender who, yes, over the course of a series, you can find a way to exploit and playing that sort of four and one defense that they have to play where he just hangs back by the rim. You can exploit that in a series, sure, but you're not going to exploit that during the regular season. He is a game changer on the defensive side of the ball, and he still is. Anthony Edwards, I feel, next big thing. I think he's this season's John Morant, the guy who takes that leap. And once Carl Anthony Towns, the the Wolves, I guess, power forward now, and Gobert get used to playing with each other, it's going to be clunky in the beginning, I have no doubt. If you, if you follow the NBA at all, you know Carl Anthony Towns, big KAT, not much of a defensive player. I think, crazy as I am, that having Gobert might even make Cat be in something a little higher than non-factor on defense. He's got long arms, right? You play the lanes like an old Larry Bird where you just, you're just kind of sticking your arms out as passes go by. He doesn't have to protect the rim. So he, he could just kind of float. And yeah, if you're playing against a, a, a stretch four, that it's, they're going to have matchup problems. But I think that a lot of the time during the regular season, they're just going to have more skill on the floor. They don't have to manage any of these guys' loads. They're all young. It, it, they remind me very much of the Grizzlies last year who got the two seed. I think Minnesota is going to be an excellent, excellent regular season team I'm very high on the regular season Wolves.
And that's, I've got them at two because I'm not quite as high on the regular season Wolves as I am on the regular season Denver Nuggets. This is the best top to bottom team in the NBA, maybe. And it's, it all revolves around that Nikola Jokic. Last season, he was the ultimate realization of the NBA nerd fantasy. He was an MVP who elevated a garbage roster uh, with all kinds of insane measurable statistics and on and offs and percents and splits. And those are all awesome and great. Uh, and also that helps. He's kind of a dumpy guy. He kind of just, he looks, he's a dumpy looking man. He's not particularly fun to watch play if you're just trying to watch some basketball. So, you know, those NBA nerds, they're really going to love that. If a guy who doesn't look like he's, who kind of, if you're watching, you're like, what is happening there? What is that? If you're at a bar and they've got the Nuggets game on, which I don't know, it must be late night, nothing else on TV. But if you're at a bar and they got the Nuggets game on and you're watching, you go, who is that? Somebody's dad? What's happening? An NBA nerd loves being able to swoop in and, and be like, as a matter of fact, that is the finest player of the game, Nikola Jokic. And let's take out the calculator to look at the stats. And I'm not mocking Nikola Jokic. He is that good. He's probably the best player in basketball. The statistics are I- insane. And he did it with a garbage roster last year. A garbage, garbage roster. The guys on the team last year, they just, they, the, the big players were hurt. The guys they had, they didn't. They weren't complimentary to Jokic or anybody. They they weren't complimentary. They probably their marriages probably struggled because they just nothing fit on that team. And yet there he was, like a like a, a a Serbian Houdini in the middle, just all sleight of hand magic. It was incredible. Uh, this year is going to be really different. Because dynamic second scorer Jamal Murray is back. He missed all FCs with a knee injury. They added a lot of, uh, they added a lot of, I've heard that name a lot tonight, guys. You know, the guys where if you're watching a game and you just keep hearing the announcer say, there is Kentavious Caldwell Pope for a three. And you just, I heard that name a lot. And then on the other side of the ball, you're Bruce Brown in the, gets in the way. Oh, Bruce Brown got his hand on that one. You're like, that's like the 12th time they've said the name Bruce Brown. The Nuggets got those guys. They've got young players like Bones Highland getting a year better. I think this is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Western Conference and perhaps beyond. We'll talk about that more as the season goes on. And we'll talk about the Eastern Conference tomorrow. This went, I cannot tell you, so much longer than I thought it would. I guess I just missed talking about basketball. Uh, and it's fun to talk when you're not yelling. So when I'm not, you know, looking at the clock like, oh, boy, how do I get out of this one? So I, I do apologize, uh, casual basketball fan, for tricking you in and then giving you a lengthy podcast. But don't you worry. Uh, we'll keep them short uh, in the future. Probably not tomorrow, though, if today's any indication. Eastern Conference tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll talk to you then. <laughs> 